Welcome to Only Little Coder podcast. This is your host Abdul Majid. In this podcast I talk to open source developers, community organizers, and content creators to know what they do and how they do it so that we all can get inspired. In this episode we are talking to David Langer. So he has got a very popular YouTube channel and at this time the channel has got around 36000 subscribers and uh, he has uh, analytics related videos on there. So let's listen from David about what the channel is and what does David do. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um so I don't know if people would be interested in this but a little bit of backstory. Uh my YouTube channel, I started it back in 2014 and I really didn't have a plan. It's not like I was trying to be a social media influencer or be PewDiePie or anything like that. I was just working at Microsoft at the time and uh, a guy I know by the name of Jose Bassa said, "Hey, you know, you know a lot about data science and you're learning this. I bet you lots of other people would be interested in what you've learned. So why don't you create some tutorials?" and that's basically how i got started i just got started essentially on a whim and i created some data science tutorials very early on in the data data science wave um using r um at the time r was pretty popular for data science and i basically what i wanted to do was create a create content create a tutorial and i say this in the very first video that i wanted to, i wanted to create the tutorial that i didn't see at the time Now there's tons of in Python and R and all kinds of stuff, right? There's tons of you go to Udemy and find them on YouTube, all kinds of stuff. But back then there wasn't hardly any for somebody who was like brand new in the space. So what I did was I just sat down with my MacBook, um didn't even have a microphone, nothing fancy, just and just started building a tutorial with myself in mind. And I had no idea that anybody would actually find the content interesting or useful uh, at the time. So that's one of the things I learned first and foremost if you're going to create content you have to do it for you you need to do it for you because you like it because you because if you think if it's a if you think it's just a chore it's just a job uh then you're not you're not going to stick with it because creating video content that is that is of good quality that people will find useful or entertaining is not easy it takes work it takes quite a bit of work and um if you don't enjoy it and it's not your day job for most people it's not it's something they do on the side um if you don't enjoy it you're not going to advertise doing it. okay that's a, that's a, that's a very good back story that we can you know learn a lot from that um you started a channel 5 years ago but what is more uh, you know interested for me is that a lot of people would stop it like if they have a gap they wouldn't restart it a lot of things have gone like that but i what i see is that after 3 years of gap or 4 years of gap and now you have become consistent and you started posting videos regularly is there any reason for it yeah there's so there's there's a few reasons for it some of which um i can't go into uh, but essentially what happened was uh i had i needed to take a break for legal reasons <laughs> so i'll leave, okay. i'll i'll leave it at that uh if some uh some people who might be listening to this podcast who are from my channel might have seen that some some video content that i had was removed and that was part of part of that whole thing so under the advice of counsel um legal counsel i took a break um that is not something i would recommend that that is that is a very very um generally speaking um i was lucky enough quite frankly the reason why i have as many followers as i have and by the way stop me if i'm going down a path that is useful for the listeners <laughs> because <laughs> no, it's, all, it's, it's all useful for us okay because i will talk um so uh i was lucky that i got in the space early in the data science tutorial space early so if you're familiar with youtube one of the most important things that you can get on youtube is people putting your videos in playlists on their channel that's that's huge 
And because, and because I was early in the space, not because, not, not because I think my, my content is particularly awesome. Generally speaking, I think it's pretty good, but I don't think it's like the best ever. But since I was early in the space, I had a lot of people put my videos in their playlists on their channels. In YouTube terms, this is kind of similar to what you see in SEO in terms of backlinks. And these are extremely important. Uh, YouTube recognizes this as raising the importance of your content. So I was lucky because I had all of that early on. My, my videos came up regularly in search results, even though I wasn't posting content regularly, as you noted. So I was lucky. That's the only reason why I have even the amount of subscribers that I have now was because I just happened to be lucky enough to get in. So if you're a content creator, if you're interested in building up an audience on YouTube, you need to post regularly. You need to post regularly. Uh, don't do what I did. I had I have reasons for it, but I I was lucky that I was able to get away with it. Generally speaking, that's not a so that's that's the backstory, the gap, and also um, some um, some advice if you're going to get started in in YouTubing in particular. There are so many people on YouTube that you need to post regularly. You need to, you need to have your people that subscribe to your channel, get regular updates and that you've posted new content to keep them active, to keep them. Oh, that's a, that's a nice advice. And what I'm wondering is five years back, this uh, entire data science craze was not, uh, you know, as much as it is now. Now everyone is after data science. So how did you make your channel take off or, you know, is there any strategy that you could uh, let us know? How was the initial traction that your channel got? Yeah. So, so, Early on, um, I, I wasn't, like I said, I, I wasn't planning on like trying to build an audience. I wasn't getting into YouTube specifically for audience building. So I, I just kind of winged it, essentially. I didn't, do any, I didn't do any research on how to build a YouTube channel, which I would advise doing, absolutely. I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of winged it. Uh, so, so I didn't really, so with the first video in particular, um, the, one, the one that has all the views and actually has all the Google or uh, Google and YouTube search power, my first video in that series, uh, I didn't really plan much. Now, what is, what is important though, is if you're, going to, if you're going to build a channel and if your idea is to grow audience in particular, number one, you have to have quality content. There's no, there's no way around that. If you don't have good content, it doesn't matter. All the rest of the things I'm gonna mention don't count. So first and foremost, you have to have good. It also helps if you a little keyword research. And the reason for that is, is in particular, you want to find a niche. A niche is good. Um, generally speaking, you don't want your YouTube channel to necessarily be um, a bunch of different kinds of things. Um, if that's what makes you happy, go ahead and do it. If your goal is building an audience. It helps if you find a niche. And doing some keyword research, and you can just Google YouTube keyword research, and you can find helpful articles that teach you how to do this pretty easily. But you want to find a niche. And then what you want to do is you want to incorporate... Um, those keywords, those ideas into your, so like, for example, for me in the early days, it was essentially data science and R, the R program, which that was, that was what drove people to my channel. And because I had, um, because I had these particular types of keywords in the titles, that's extremely important. Right? You want the keywords in the titles of your videos and also in the descriptions. That's also extreme. And also there's, um, there's, there's, there's this idea that also, YouTube does NLP, so they'll actually run natural language processing on the audio track of your video, and they'll actually try to divine whether or not the content inside of your video also matches the various types of words and keywords that you have listed in your title and in your description. So those are the kinds of things that you, if you want to triangulate, if you want to triangulate, you want to find a niche that you're passionate about. You can build quality content. That's number one. And then after that, you want to make sure that your videos are incorporating that niche idea. 
so let's say, for example, um, I don't know, uh, you're doing watercolor painting. That's your thing. So you'd want to make sure that all of your videos have watercolor in the title and in the description and that you say watercolor in the audio track. All of that helps to cement the content so that when the YouTube search engine indexes it, it knows that, uh, that your content is solid on these things and it will help match to um, searches. Now, that, that's, that's, that's like the first and most important. Now, the other thing that you can do is you can also cross-reference your YouTube stuff with social media. That's really, really, uh, for example, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's my primary social media platform. And I have approximately the same amount of followers, approaching the same amount of subscribers as followers on LinkedIn. So I have about 36,000 subscribers on YouTube. And at the time of this recording, around 32,000-ish followers on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is also a very powerful way for me to drive traffic to my YouTube channel. So if what you can do is you can literally create a post on LinkedIn, for example. You don't embed the video, ideally post. What you do is you talk about what your video is, and then you provide a link to your YouTube channel or directly to the YouTube video in the first comment on LinkedIn. And that's another way to drive traffic to your channel. Because as you might imagine, um, building up an audience means you have to get eyeballs on your channel first. People have to see your content to realize it's any good and then to subscribe to your channel. So that's um, using social media as a middle way. And as I mentioned earlier, the single best thing for your channel is for you to create quality content that other people then reference on their channels. And they might create a playlist of like, to use the watercolor example again, um, here, are the, here are the best videos for learning how to watercolor. And if your watercoloring videos are listed in their playlist, that's awesome for your visibility on YouTube. And it will drive lots and lots of traffic to your channel. Okay. And uh, I think you have made a very good uh, point about uh, this, finding the niche and then, you know, cementing your position in that niche. But if someone is starting out today, you can actually see that almost all content, uh, like there is an R channel, there is a Python channel, there's a deep learning channel. So how do you think someone can find a niche in this, um, you know, full of uh, videos and they can proceed with that. Yeah. So that's, it's tough. It's, it's really, really tough. Like I said, as I, and I want to stress this enough, I, a lot, and I already have, but I'll tell you it one more time. With my YouTube channel, I kind of got lucky because I was early. I was an early mover in, in this space that helped me a ton because I didn't know what I was doing at that point in time with YouTube. So I just kind of rode a wave. And generally speaking, if you can do that, it's awesome, but it's very, very hard to pick, hey, this wave is just starting. I'm going to, um, so let's, we can use, for example, the data science space or the analytics spaces to just to, to frame the discussion. There are tons and tons that are in this space and it's, and it's a competition, make no mistake, right? You're competing for attention, you're competing for eyeballs. So the best way to, the best way to differentiate yourself is with quality content that also has your unique style, your unique flavor. Um, and YouTube is, is the home of tutorials. Tutorial content is like the king on YouTube, generally speaking. Um, you can YouTube, you can search YouTube for how to do just about anything. So, so that's good news for folks. You don't have to be wildly super creative. You don't have to create really fancy videos with special effects or anything like that. Good tutorials will get traffic. The problem is, is that you have to differentiate yourself and how you, the easiest way to do that is to use your personality and also maybe focus on a very narrow niche aspect. So let's take, for example, um, Python program. So Python programming is not, is extremely easy for anybody who has coded another language before. If you know Java or C sharp or C plus plus or any other object oriented programming language already picking up Python 
is wickedly easy. It's not that difficult. That's part of the beauty of Python. But imagine, if you will, that you are somebody who works in the finance department of your company, right? And they are, they're very familiar with numbers and doing data analysis and all those sorts of things, but their primary tool is going to be Excel. And for those folks like that, that have never learned an object-oriented programming language, they might find learning Python hard. And in fact, I would argue that's exactly the case because as a teacher, as an instructor, as a trainer, that has been my experience universally, is that they find the syntax, they find the, the concepts difficult to um, scale up. Because quite frankly, for example, if you work in Python with pandas, the pandas API, the pandas object model is very, very OO, very object oriented. So if you come from that background, it's pretty simple for you. If you've never done OO before, pandas is quite, quite intimidating. So that's an example of a niche that you could start to hit is you could say, for example, I am going to try and teach Excel users how to um, learn Python. And this is not, this is advice that I follow myself because for right now at the time of this recording, I'm also doing a blog series teaching you know, Excel only SQL because there's a large number of people out there that could benefit from that skill. And that's how I've sliced it down, right? Because there are many tutorials on SQL, but what I'm doing is, hey, I'm going to do a tutorial on SQL targeted on Excel users. That's an example niche, right? And there are many of them that you can come up with. And that's how you differentiate yourself. Create quality content, find a niche, inject your own personality. And then not only do, then I can't stress this enough, not only do YouTube, but you also want to do another social media um, platform as well, if you can, to help drive traffic to your channel. Because these two things can, um, they can be synergistic. They can help you drive traffic to your YouTube channel, and also your YouTube channel can drive traffic to your social media. Oh, great. Those are really, really great advice. And the other thing that I'm noting down is that uh, the the series that you talked about, introduction to SQL for uh, Excel users. So what I see a pattern is that you have done a series in R, and now you're doing a series in uh, SQL. So is it something that you have found out that doing a series is always better than standalone videos, or uh, it's just pure coincidence? No, 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 no. Series, series are great. And this is, this is an old school technique from bloggers, right? When, when blogging first became a big deal, um, this is before social media took off and all that sort of thing. And uh, bloggers realized that if they wrote, you know, you could, if you wrote a killer post that went viral, that's awesome, of course, right? That's going to drive a lot of traffic. You're going to get a lot of backlinks to that thing. But what they found was also that if you create a series of tutorials, what you do is you get people interested in coming back to you instead of just doing a one and done, right? They find your killer blog post that went viral. They just read it and they never come back to your site. The series becomes a mechanism for encouraging people to do return visits. And most importantly, it's a, and back in the blogger day, a very, and it's still true too, that it was also a mechanism by which to encourage people to address. So you can say, look, if you're interested in getting more blog updates from my blog set, my blog, sign up for my newsletter and you get an email address. Now, the equivalent of that on YouTube would be subscribers, right? You might, you're, you're, you're far more likely to get a subscriber who's interested in a series because they want to be updated when the next one. So for both blogging as well as YouTube, series, is, series of posts and series of videos are great. Oh, okay, so there is, uh, there is definitely a great advantage doing the series. Yes, okay. absolutely. The, the, the other thing that I actually uh, note down uh, from the content that you have posted is, uh, you're not after, uh, you know, what uh, cool stuff people talk about. You're, you you have identified your niche in such a way that it is always connected with business and stuff. And uh, even in your cover page says 20% of analytics driving 80% of ROI. Do you like to, you know, discuss about it? 
Yes. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is, if you follow me or you connect with me on LinkedIn and take a look at my post history, you'll see that what I'm saying, I've talked about quite a bit on social media. So years ago, um, I was getting my master's degree in computer science and I took a course on machine learning and I had a background in traditional analytics, business intelligence, data warehousing, that sort of thing. And once I turned machine, learned about machine learning, I got hooked, right? I was like, this is awesome. I can turn my data warehouse into a crystal ball and predict the future. So for a long time, I was totally enamored with machine learning. And that became essentially, and I took, and I took a, a very technical look at things. I would see a business problem and I would say, how can I use machine learning on that problem? Rather than actually steeping myself in this problem and saying, what is the best solution for this problem? Maybe it's machine learning, maybe it's not. So I went through a journey myself where I was very technically focused. Um, everything was about R coding and algorithms and technology. But what happened was over time, I moved out of a technology role. Um, I worked in, for example, I worked in the IT department, Microsoft's um, supply chain organization for years. That's a technical organization, a technical role. And over time, I moved out of that into a business role. I am, I'm currently the VP of analytics at a company called Schedulicity, but I'm not considered necessarily a technical person. I'm considered a business person. And over the years, what I realized was if I like to have impact, if I want to have impact on the business using data, I have moved on from just the pure. And I say, look, I don't really care what the solution is, as long as the solution is right for the. And what I found is more often than not, it doesn't involve things like machine learning. It doesn't necessarily involve advanced analytics. Most of the time in business analytics, uh, you can get away with relatively simple techniques. The most important thing is that you use the right techniques problem. And usually you need past because the business needs, they need insights quick. So what I've done is I've kind of morphed over time away from the extremely technical focus to more of this business focus. And as you've pointed out, um, my, my profile is really around the 20% of anal analytics that drives 80% of the business ROI. And I tend to find that there are three primary things that I use to do that. And in order, they are of importance, they are SQL, Excel, and R. And R is actually at the last, of last bit of that. Because what I can find is most of the time, SQL and Excel gets me a long ways to the kinds of insights that I need to do. And Excel is also a good communication or data to other parts of the business because they typically do not have sophisticated programming skills and they most likely know. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so the, the, the other thing that I uh, actually wanted to ask you is that I think you've also got a paid uh, life training, online training on your website. Um, so yes. is, is, is it a way for you to, you know, channel uh, your YouTube um, users who you know, constantly ask for help so that you can give a personalized support or would you like to talk about more about it? Yeah. So it's, it's a really good, that's, that's a very good question. Cause I get asked this quite a bit, especially from folks outside of the United States about, about the online stuff. So as I've, as I've morphed from a technical professional, more of like an IT technology focused person to more of a business focus, one of the things that, um, I have come to realize and I come to, I have come to believe is that the biggest, the biggest return for companies is not actually investing in machine learning and AI and data science necessarily. It's actually raising the data literacy of all of their, all of their folks in the business, right? If every person in the business can use Excel and analyze data pretty rigorously, there's a huge amount of ROI that's available to a business that currently goes Currently, currently doesn't happen, doesn't currently manifest. So because of that, uh, 
I've kind of taken up a side mission to spread data literacy far and wide. And the best vehicle for doing that, in my opinion, and in the opinion of others, is to use Excel. So what I've done is I've partnered with an organization um, in the United States called TDWI, and they perform training, data training at corporations and companies. So I partnered with them for the online courses because they have an established brand, they have an established distribution network, and also because many companies um, have TDWI as an approved vendor. So if people want to take the courses, it's possible that they can ask their manager and their manager will reimburse them or pay for the courses as part of. So the online courses that I've built were really for this idea of trying to spread that data literacy far and wide in a company corporate environment. Now, if you go to if you go to my blog, if you go to my website and take a look at the online the, the online training page where I list the online courses, I also provide low cost and free resources that cover the same material. And the reason for that is, quite frankly, um, I'd like to sell online courses. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the primary goal. The primary goal is to spread data. So if people want the information that these courses entail, then they can they can either buy the online courses or they can get the free, the free and low cost materials that I actually document as well. Now, to, so that's some background. So I do use YouTube as a way to drive people to my website uh, as well, because there's, I have blog posts, I have lots of content and uh, how I do that on YouTube is multiple ways. First and foremost is you put links in the descriptions of your video. And ideally you would want them relatively high up so that when someone clicks on the details, um, the details description of your YouTube video, that they, if they click the see more, they'll see that, they'll see the links right away. They don't have to scroll all the way to the bottom of a long description to see them. So that's the first thing is put links in your descriptions and also use emojis because you can use emojis in descriptions on YouTube and they show up and they kind of, if it's just all text, it doesn't catch the eye, but you can use some emojis. Like I use like a sideways pointing finger to actually represent bullets in my descriptions. So that's another technique. So that's first and foremost, you wanna put links in your descriptions back to your website if that's what you're interested in. Um, also, I also use cards an awful lot. Cards are pretty useful. If you're not familiar with cards, it's a little, um, overlay that YouTube allows you to do. And it puts a little eye inside of a circle in the upper right corner of your video. And then it allows people to click on it and you can put links, cards back to your website, which is also pretty useful. So yes, I do use my YouTube channel to drive traffic website. Um, and because I have a lot of free content on my website, there's a lot of stuff on my, the SQL um, for Excel users blog series. That's completely free monetization strategy at all. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to drive people back to my website because I have a lot of, I believe a lot of good, and that's a couple of ways how I use YouTube. Great. Um, so I think uh, that is exactly uh, going to be my next question is that you've got both the uh, type of content. One is where you monetize the content and the other one is that you offer it completely for free. So how do you balance between these two? Mm, that's a good question. And uh, just so, so that the listeners are clear, I have a day job, so I have a full-time day job. So, <laughs> so okay. I'm doing so I'm doing this stuff on the side, and some of it is is monetized. So, for example, I do I have on some online courses uh, that I sell in partnership with TDWI. I also do speaking engagements with them, and I also do um, corporate training as well. But as I said, that is because I have a day job. I, I'm not as concerned about them about monetizing that to the max because I'm more interested in the mission, which is trying to spread data literacy far and wide. Okay. So that being said, 
your, your fundamental question is very, very, if, if folks are really interested in building an online business, um, a personality-based business, uh, you know, an influencer, quote-unquote, business, one of the things that you have to realize is that content marketing, which is what, what, what a lot of this is about, and you, you have to give away value for free. That's part of the business model, essentially. So you need to give away some of the content for free. And here's the, here's the reason why. What you want to do is you want to establish with your audience that you are an authority, that you provide great content. And what that, what that does is that builds up a relationship between your audience. They begin to like you. They begin to trust in your content. They begin to see you as someone that they can go to to answer questions. So in the business model essentially goes, and plenty of people do this, for example. It's, you know, I'm not letting out a big secret. You can buy plenty of books that teach you exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, is that you give away content for free, but then you have some that monetize. And the idea is that once you build up an audience and you build trust in a relationship with that audience, they're more likely to buy from you because they say, they'll say like, for, um, oh, I read Dave's blog series on SQL for Excel users and I love the way he teaches. I love the way he writes. So they might be more likely to buy an ebook from you or an online class or get training or something like that. So one of the things that you want to do when you think about this is to say, if this is your goal, and it doesn't have to be, but if it is your goal, then you need to say, okay, I'm constantly need to feed this content marketing engine. And how I feed it is with free content that provides value. So you need to think of your you need to think of a product portfolio of some of the things that you're willing to give away from and then will be compelling in the market is quality content will get a lot of um, use. It's got to be useful, folks. And then you say, okay, that, that, that's the stuff I'll give away from free. And this sort of thing I'm going to actually monetize. And I'll use myself as a, um, so I do have, for example, right now, my um, intro to SQL for Excel users blog series, and that is free. And what I'm trying to show with that blog series is that anybody with any background can learn SQL. If they have Excel skills, which is basically most people in the world, you can learn SQL. I'm going to show them how to do that um, through this blog series. And I do have a few videos on um, YouTube that help people get set up with SQL Server, whether on their local machine or in the cloud. And those I use to drive traffic back to my website. YouTube tutorials are part of the overall blog series. All that I give away for. Now, let's say in, in, in the future, I do what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, which is I say, okay, cool. What I'm now going to do is I'm going to teach Python, introduction to Python for Excel users. And because people might have seen my blog series, maybe I taught them SQL and all they had was an Excel background. They're like, okay, well, you know what? I can trust Dave. He's a good teacher. He knows what he's talking about. So I'm more likely to buy um, Python for Excel users class or videos or training that Dave's offering might be. So notice that, that, notice that I'm still in the same niche. I'm still in this niche of saying, I'm trying to teach uh, an arbitrary, a random business user with only Excel skills, stuff that they need to raise their level of analytics capability. If that's your niche, then you can think about all kinds of different you can do. And some of it you um, give away for free to help build your brand, help drive traffic, all of that. And then some of it you will monetize through like an ebook or an online course in-person or virtual training. Great, great advice. Um, so you've got a very good uh, LinkedIn profile where you can create content regularly. You've got a blog where you update regularly and then you've got a YouTube channel that also gets updated regularly. And you just told us that you also have a full-time job. How do you manage all these things? Like do you have a, any schedule uh, that you follow or anything that you would like to share? Yeah, so it's a great question. This is... By the way, this is, this is hard work, (laughs) 
right? If you're familiar with PewDiePie, he's got such a huge following that, you know, he can do a video on just about anything. And, you know, he's he's driving a ton of of, of revenue for himself because his audience is so large. For the rest of us, (laughs) that's not the case. It's it's a lot of work. Uh, I probably put easily 20 hours a week, every weekend outside of my day job on creating this content. So it's, it's a balancing act because I also have, I have, you know, I have a, a partner and I have a dog and, you know, I like to go out and do things, you know, and not just sit at home in front of my laptop all day. So it really is a balancing act. So the thing that you really need to do is follow the 80, um, you need to experiment, uh, with like various forms of content and various techniques and find out what actually works and then stick with that. So for example, um, I'll just use myself again as an example. Um, let's say I find that for whatever reason, uh, the amount of traffic that I can generate to my website via YouTube video is less when I think about how much, how many hours I have to do to create the video in the first place versus a LinkedIn post. So quite frankly, I might have to say, look, just because I want to have a life, <laughs> a personal life, I'm going to prioritize LinkedIn because it's more. And I'm just, I'm not saying that's true. That is a hype. Um, cause, because you'll, if you follow me on both platforms, you'll notice that I am, I do post regularly on LinkedIn, but I don't put, or excuse me, post videos regularly on YouTube. Excuse me. I do it regularly, but I'm way more active on LinkedIn than I am on YouTube. And that's simply because, um, creating good quality videos, you know, editing them in Camtasia and getting them all set up with cards and links and intros and outros and all that kind of it's, it's a lot more work than LinkedIn. So the number of clicks essentially that I get to the website is much higher per hour of effort on LinkedIn than on YouTube, but that won't be true necessarily for everybody. You know, it might be the reverse depending on your situation. Now the idea is pick one, um, pick one platform and optimize for it. definitely follow the, t- the 80, 20 rule. find out what experiment, find out what works and focus you know, focus your energy on the 20%, the 80% of them. That's great again. And yeah, I just want to talk about your LinkedIn for a while that uh, you have a great profile. And how did this happen? Like um, a lot of people these days want to try to build their LinkedIn profile. And uh, a lot of times you, if you actually see, they keep on posting the same uh, PDF that they, you know, found online or something like that. But your content is, you know, you have, you actually have content. So how do you do this thing? Yeah. So, so first and foremost, I want to make sure that, um, folks realize that I, I've learned this through trial and error. It's not, it's not like I would, one day I said, Hey, I'm going to do this. And it was perfect. No, no. I had to learn. I had to experiment. Um, not only that, but I would also say not only, not only the profile in terms of your posts or the content that you create, but also the profile itself did make your profile awesome because it is a LinkedIn is first and foremost, a marketing platform. Um, there's an old article from the nineties called the brand called you. And that's really what your LinkedIn is. So snaz it up. If you look at my profile on LinkedIn, um, not the posts, but the actual, I have all the things that you would expect. Like I have my work history and and all that, but I also have a description. My description is quite creative, right? I have emojis in there and I've got links and I've got descriptions and I'm really trying to sell me as a brand. Be sure to do that. Okay. That being said, the posts, um, it's tough. It's tough to come up with original content, uh, regularly on any platform, LinkedIn or YouTube or what. So the the main thing to do is to say, look, I want to be authentic. I want to be, because people will see through f- fake posts that you write um, faster than anything. And, and please, 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 please do not copy other people's stuff and post it. That, that, that is, that's a death knell for you. If you get, if you get found out, it's not good. If you want to 
quote somebody, make sure you cite them in your post, but don't rip them off because that is actually counter. Now, when you first get started, it's actually it's actually not as difficult as you might. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're familiar with Gary V, he's a he's a master of this. And what he will tell you to do is in the beginning, document your just document your journey. So let's say, for example, that you're learning new technology, document your journey. Because there's probably a lot of people in the world because of the, of the mass reach of social media that that are probably doing the same thing and your content will resonate with them. Or maybe they're thinking about doing the same thing that you're doing. And you're, so that's one way to start. It's like, for example, pick a technology and say, look, I'm learning, I don't know, natural language processing, let's say, in Python. So you'll talk about um, the aspects of you know studying NLP. Maybe you start with theory and then maybe you move into you know some of the libraries that Python has. LTK, for example, and you talk about what you're learning LTK. And maybe you post two, three times a week. And that that's great. That's a great way to start. You know, if you post like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, or whatever, that's great. Because then people start to just, you, you, you're posting regularly the LinkedIn algorithm or whatever social media platforming their algorithm recognizes that you're posting regularly at a regular time. And that just helps you out. And that's a good way to start building an audience. Um, you know, and you can tag, you can tag people in comments, for example, like lots of people tag me. Um, like I started an initiative called 20 Days of Real Analytics on LinkedIn. And all I was doing was posting five days a week for four weeks, every work day, what I was doing in my day job. Not giving away any company secrets, of course, but just what I'm doing in a job. And now some other folks are picking this as well. They've tagged me. And what I do is they, when they write a post of their 20 Days of Analytics, they tag me and I like it and I comment on it and it helps their posts get reach. Because maybe there are other people that are like, but Dave's experience doesn't resonate with me, but this person's experience does. So that's a, that's one technique where you can get started. Just document. Okay. And uh, have you ever faced criticism either on you know LinkedIn or on YouTube? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing that you have to realize. Um, if you if you create content and you put it out there, there are going to be people that are they're not going to be very nice to you sometimes. <laughs> that's just, and you just, you just, have, <laughs> you just have to get, you just have to get used to it. Uh, that's just the way it is. If you go look at like my, my very first video on my YouTube channel, quite a few comments, the vast majority of them are positive, but some of them are not very nice. <laughs> that's just, you just have to be prepared for that. Uh, one of the things that I do personally is um, I don't, I, I tend not to delete comments unless they're really, really egregious or they're something that's totally not related. So like if somebody comments like on one of my posts or one of my videos to try and sell something that they're doing and it's like not related at all to the topic at hand, I will delete that comment. But generally speaking, I don't. Um, even the trolls and the haters, I don't. Um, what I typically do is I look at a, if I get a really nasty comment, I look at it and I say, can I use this to my to my advantage? That is, would the community, would people reading through the comment history find this exchange potentially useful if, if, if possible with this person? And this happened to me not maybe two, three, four weeks ago where I had someone po um, comment on one of my posts where I essentially said, look, you know, anybody can build up analytics skills. And this person essentially said, no, they can't. They have to go to college. They have to get a PhD and they have to study. And I thought to myself, well, that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty elitist view. But could I use this to my advantage? So I, I ended up with a very long comment dialogue with this person, and I didn't remove any of the comments. And eventually it came to the point where that person kind of illustrated where they were coming from. And I think that is useful for the community. So 
sometimes you can use trolls and haters to your own in, in that particular scenario, but you, you have to realize it's going to happen and you do have to develop a, a little bit of a thick skin um, to, to deal with it. Just know that that's going to happen. Just part of the game. Okay. And uh, do you, um, you know, um, when you get these kind of uh, hate comments, how do you actually bounce back? Is it just like you mentioned, is it the realization that it is, uh, it is part of life or uh, you have some other strategy to, you know, keep yourself motivated and then do all the things that you do? Yeah. And, and just, just to be clear. So I've been, I've been doing social media for a while um, and it still bothers me. I'm not going to lie. It, it still bothers me. Um, even though I've had plenty of bad comments and have had plenty of experiences with it, it still bothers me to this day. Um, what I have to realize is, is that you can't please everyone. It's not going to happen. And oftentimes people are being negative and being, and they're attacking you directly for reasons that are abs- have absolutely nothing to do with your content. And what I have to do is I have to essentially sit back, take a deep breath, maybe pour myself a beer or something like that. <laughs> And just say, okay, you know what? This is this is this is part of the game. And then what what I typically do, what really helps for me, besides the beer course, uh, is <laughs> taking a look at all the people that like like the content and tell you this is this is thank you for this. This was very helpful. Um, and then you have to say, look, if I get one hater for every four hundred people that are finding my content useful and it's helpful to them, then that's not a bad ratio. There's also a school of thought that says. Um, you don't want you don't want to concentrate on the people that like your stuff. You want to concentrate on the people that hate your stuff because that's that's even better. <laughs> and there's a and there's an argument to be made that because haters are more likely to engage. So that if you get this comment stream going back and forth, it helps your particular piece of content and the algorithm. And there is a certain amount of truth to that, by the way. Uh, it's not untrue. I wouldn't advise it as a strategy, of course, because most people don't like read hateful long comment streams. Um, so I wouldn't don't don't take that as a strategy to optimize reach, but it does it, it is it is an aspect as well. Um, so in the end, what I do is I say, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hated on. It's it's gonna happen, uh, and I just try and keep it in the context of how many people am I potentially helping versus this one person that obviously doesn't like what. Just move on from that. It's it's not easy though. Like I said, I've I, it still it still affects me even today. So there's no easy answer to this one. Yeah. So great. Uh, so basically, you smash negativity with positivity. I try. I try. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't want to sit here and come across as like I've got I've got this mastered because I don't. There are times when I was like I get really, <laughs> but I don't. But here's the thing. I I don't. If if I'm if I'm getting heated. I, I step away from the keyboard. I step away from the, the cam, the vid, the webcam, because you don't want to put that negativity because you, you don't want to negatively impact your brand. It's fine to be hurt. It's fine to be angry. It's fine to want to swear at that this particular person. That's totally cool. But you need to chill before you get back on um, social media. And a lot of people don't do this, right? A lot of people don't do this. And it's better if you do it. It's better if you take the high road. And um, the, the next thing is... Um... So uh, you you have got uh, all these platforms and um, all these uh, um, excellent profile. Uh, so what is your advice for someone uh, who's you know starting out like just zero today? Maybe someone starting out on YouTube or someone starting out on LinkedIn, trying to you know uh, like you have got a mission to increase the literacy of the world. Sorry, data literacy of the world. So if they have got a mission, so what is your advice for them? You no, know, you have already given out a lot of uh, very good tips, but uh, is there anything else that you want to add to it? Yeah. So one of the things that 
um, recently has affected me quite a bit was I read a book by a gentleman by the, well, actually I listened to it on audio, but he also has it obviously is by the gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek. It's called start with why. And I think this is a great thing for people who are just starting out either whether it's a YouTube channel or whether it's a LinkedIn profile. Um, it's a good, it's a good book just to listen to or to read. And what it teaches you is, is that if you want if you want to have an effect on the world, if you want to inspire people, um, you need to start with why. People, people are more interested in the why than the how. So why are you doing this? Why do you think this is important? Um, what is your mission? Those are the kinds of things that I would, I would concentrate on when first starting out, in particular with a YouTube channel. I mean, LinkedIn's a little bit more complicated because it's also kind of like a resume in a way as well. So there's an implicit why to LinkedIn. It's because show the world your professional um, capabilities. That's part of the reason why you're in. So some of the why's kind of, but on YouTube in particular, it, it's good to find a niche, as I mentioned earlier, but also, also if it's infused with why and you come across in your content, especially in your videos, as these videos are all part of my personal why, why I'm doing this, um, then it's a, it's a far more powerful message. It resonates with a lot more. So for a long time, my LinkedIn profile I had for my, essentially my, the, the little string, you know, the catchphrase string that shows up was essentially my job title and what I did, right? It was something like analytics, pipe, machine learning, pipe, instructor, pipe, leader, something like that, right? Which is very typical on LinkedIn. And that's designed for, you do that to be found by recruiters, which is totally cool. I got a lot more feedback. I have gotten way more feedback when I switched little tagline on LinkedIn to being teaching the world the 20% of analytics that drives that drive 80% of ROI. I get a lot more because that 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 says that talks to my personal why. Why am I on LinkedIn? Why am I posting content? As opposed to saying, well, I'm the such and such professional with this amount of experience. Now that's just what I do. I'm not saying that everyone has to do, but people resonate with why. Not so much how or what, but why. Why are you doing if you can find a very powerful reason for the why it just infuses your brand and your content with much more impact on people than just a simple post. I'm like, well, here's how you do, here's how you load up a CSV in pandas, which is useful, but it's not going to be nearly as impactful as somebody saying, um, for example, I want everyone in the world to learn Python. It is my mission to make everybody a Python program. That's, that's why that resonates a lot more. Okay. So that is, that is really, really great advice. And, uh, Dave, thank you so much for your time. And you have really given out a lot of uh, helpful tips that uh, someone can, you know, just literally start a YouTube channel with. So once again, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and uh, being very patient with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.